for forensics, you have to be able to get down to microtransactions, but nobody wants to look at that natively. You do not want to look at 32 terabytes of transactions for the last month. You just don't. That's, that's you know, millions upon millions of rows of data. So we think in three levels because now you're marrying organizations, procurement, finance, the different lines of business with engineering to actually have conversations about that spending. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. As regular listeners of this show know, we are in the midst of a series, Mythbusters where we are destroying myths that surround the cloud, security, and innovation. The myth we are attacking in June is that the cloud is too expensive. Understanding your cloud invoice can be, well, kind of intimidating. Even though the cloud is just beyond its infancy, maybe you'd call it a toddler, maybe it's a teenager, it seems we have created a billing and invoicing system so complex that it would make the the telecom operators blush. Getting control of your cloud cost is so difficult, it has spawned new services and new tools to help you and your team make sense of it all. In this episode, we're gonna chat with Nick Lumsden. Nick is one of the founders of Tenacity, a cloud cost optimization platform built on an AI backbone. He is here today to help us make sense of all of our cloud costs. So, Nick, welcome to Status Go. Oh, thanks so much, Jeff. Really appreciate you having me on the show. For our listeners, it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting because I was just a guest on Nick's show, the Cloud Cost Optimization Podcast. In fact, we just recorded it an hour ago as we're <laughs> recording this. So there'll probably be some bleed over from that conversation. But I, I really love, Nick, to spend time at the beginning of our episodes for our audience to get to know our guests. And I usually have our guests share a bit about their career journeys. Uh, however, before we get to that, I'd like to read the opening paragraph from your LinkedIn profile, because I think it says a lot about you. So bear with me here. A builder, a rebel, an inveterate contrarian with more luck, friends, and great teachers than raw talent, all to whom I owe a deep debt of gratitude, a lifelong student tending to question the assumptions I encounter in the world, forever asking, well, why? My passion burns in the pursuit of a better world around me, to pay it back and to pay it forward. This is what propels me from bed every morning. Man, that is such an awesome uh, paragraph. And and I know you you and I have uh, been connected on LinkedIn for uh, a couple of years now. We, we were in the same market for a, a number of years. Uh, and I, I just love that introduction because with the little that I know about you, uh, that says everything that our listeners need to know. But what would you add to that for your background? Uh, well, thanks, Jeff. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, Gosh, you stumbled me up there. You surprised me with, with reading that. Thank you. Um, uh, and, it, and it, you know, it, I, I have had an incredible journey in my career. I have been 
just incredibly fortunate uh, to be in some amazing places um, and been a part of some amazing things happening in the world. Um, I, I would describe myself as a uh, serial uh, entrepreneur, early stage guy. I love early stage companies, uh, especially the growth stage. That's where the most fun happens, in my opinion. It's also the hardest work. It's it's it is when you in in uh, I, I do speak about kind of work life and priorities and how you manage your life, but it is also my favorite stage is the one where you work a ton and yeah yeah, but you get to see the rewards. It's it's a little like. It's a little like building a house, right? You know, it's a lot of hard work, but at the end of the day, you get to look at it and go, my mm-hmm. gosh, I built that, right? It's, yeah, that's an incredible thing. And, and it's, and it's rare in the work world, in the corporate world, when you work in a really big organization, sometimes it's hard to look at what you did for a year or two or three and say, I built that. It is hard. Yeah. And I think that's why I like growth stage. So, uh, uh, that's, that's, kind of who I am at my core. Um, yeah. I have been in, uh, in technology for 25 plus years in leadership for 25 ish years and, uh, started my first business out of college, uh, made all the mistakes that early <laughs> entrepreneurs make. And then some, um, I ultimately failed. I failed at my first business. It, it was one of the hardest things I went through at the time, but in hindsight, one of the best things that ever happened to me because, uh, I got to look at the rest of my career through that lens. And uh, I went on to work. Uh, I went out to the East Coast. I actually worked in a startup out there that was in the, the healthcare space. Uh, we were in, in, the, in the late 2000s, mid to late 2000s, we were building the second largest medical data, data set in the United States. The only one larger was the Blue Network. So think, you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah, yeah. We had over 100 million lives in that database. Uh, in 14 to 15 years of their medical data. Um, and of course, this is a highly secure, highly compliant arena uh, where we de-identify data and so on. But in that journey, seven years at that organization, it grew to over 5,000 employees. I was one of the first first few employees. It grew to 5,000 employees, uh, massive valuation. But more important was we were changing things in healthcare through data, through, through being able to look at actual real people, what was happening, what were their comorbidities, what were their uh, uh, treatments, uh, and, and what were those outcomes, and able to go in and actually change healthcare uh, in the arena of, say, chronic care. Things like, uh, how do you change prospects for someone who has uh, diabetes and maybe a complication of heart disease, who isn't going to their doctor, who isn't regularly taking their insulin, et cetera? Um, we were answering those sorts of questions, fundamentally changing healthcare by looking at it from a financial lens, because that's the motivator for the payers, right? The health insurance companies, yeah. they need a financial yeah. lens. So if I can go find an answer and give them a financial lens, happy to dig into all of that because that was a, that was a great part of my career and I learned so much. Um, yeah. I, I went on to work for a serial entrepreneur myself, uh, came back to Michigan, uh, been in the cloud hosting space, uh, you know, had a successful exit, uh, took a little bit of time off and did some adventuring with my family and came back to start Tenacity three years ago uh, as of the day of the recording. Wow. Well, congratulations. Three years. That's all, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and it's when you were in the cloud hosting space, I think that you and I first uh, connected, uh, right? Uh, online tech, as, I, re- as yes. I recall. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, e- even though you were in the healthcare space, it had this financial bent. Um, and 
I, I know our conversation earlier this morning on your program was all about financial accountability. Uh, so why a cloud cost optimization platform? What, what uh, sparked that uh, problem solver in you to go attack this as your next uh, uh, entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know, it, it is really born of um, all the scars and experiences of the previous 20 years in that I, I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm a computer scientist by education. I am a software developer by trade. And one of the hard things I ran into in my career as we were, especially in rapid growth companies, as you're delivering, you're selling to a customer, you you come up with sort of this this you know cost of goods sold this this unit economics and, and when you're early in your career you don't understand all those things you're just trying to build what we would call like a functional unit like I sold this customer mm -hmm. I need to deploy this thing yeah and what was really difficult is those hard like that hardware platforms where we were delivering in the data center there might be I don't know uh, a dozen two dozen components and then they're all interconnected by another several dozen different hardware components and suddenly I have you know, uh, 50 or a hundred different vendors or, or manufacturers of hardware. And, and it's really hard to actually go get the data out of that. Right. Even if they had mm -hmm. a way for me to get it, uh, through their firmware or through an API, I would have to write all those different inter interconnects. I would have to interpret all of that data. And so getting that sort of telemetry, uh, was extremely difficult and we tried to solve it so many different ways over my career over the past two decades. We, we tried to buy monitoring solutions. We tried to build uh, APMs, application performance monitoring. Uh, mm -hmm. We tried to get uh, data from logs from, you know, all sorts of, of different angles from a security aspect. And I would, at this point in my career, say none of those were successful. They're all valiant efforts, but none of those were successful. What changed was when AWS came along, when Azure came along, public cloud turned all of the hardware infrastructure into software. And at that moment, yeah, yeah. all of that data, the, the, what I'll call the metadata about an environment suddenly became available to people like me, developers. And that, that created an interesting opportunity to now turn the cost management problem into a big data problem as opposed to it being kind of a spreadsheet gymnastics, capital expenditure, financial sort of uh, look at it, we can now do interesting things with big data and we're starting to do interesting things with AI as well. I, I think that is, is such a, a great recognition of a pivot point, right? This uh, hardware became software, right? Which all of a sudden turns it into data. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about, uh, I don't want you to give away any of your intellectual property or anything like that. I'm not telling, you know, asking for any of that, but, but tell us a little bit about the tenacity platform and, and for our listeners, we're probably going to take a little bit deeper dive on this from a product perspective than we typically do, because I, I, I find this platform fascinating. So, uh, Nick, tell us a little bit more about the platform. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll, I'll first say that it is a software as a service platform that we have built. And there's a reason for that. I'll explain that in just a second. But it's also Tenacity AI itself. We back it with human services. And the reason that we do that is we have found 
that, uh, and we can talk about this problem historically, but we have found that being able to have a coach, being able to have advisors who are right along with you in the data, in the depth of the data, in aligning it to your business is like, it just, it just makes you go so much faster. And so mm -hmm. we actually deliver these services on top. We'll even do full service. We'll even, we'll even come in and implement frameworks for managing your cloud um, uh, financials uh, with the solution. But let's go back to the platform. So the platform is SaaS, software as a service. Um, what it does is it, it plugs into uh, our customers' public cloud presence. It, whether they're in AWS or Azure, soon we'll support Google and, and a handful of others that are used globally. And we consume what I'll call all the metadata about that environment. And not, not the actual data, not, not the data they're storing there, mm -hmm. or they're processing for their business, but the, but the information about that infrastructure and about that data, including what they're spending, how are they utilizing it, uh, who, who started it, who owns it, how's it configured, et cetera. And we pull all of that in and we start doing analytics on it. Some of that mm -hmm. stuff is really simple, like just trending. Is the cost on a specific unit going up? Is it going down, et cetera? But we're also doing um, complex detection of, say, anomalies. Are there a set of things that are working together and they have a normal? And one day of the month, they fall outside of normal. They cost 100 times more for that one day. Well, why is that? We want to, we want to isolate that in the data and go do forensics. That's a human needs to go do those forensics, right? So mm -hmm. there are all sorts of, of things that we can do with that, what I'll call the telemetry, you know, the data about the data there uh, that's coming out of the system. But that, in a nutshell, is the platform. We've turned all of this data about the cloud into a big data problem, and we've built a platform by which you can go view, explore, see interesting uh, KPIs about that data, and start to actually align it to your business. I'll go into that in just a second. How, how much of that data do you expose to, to your customers, your clients, or, or is it, is it all at the aggregate level and uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we think it, we think in three levels. Uh, so uh, to answer your question quickly, they can get to all of it because we believe that forensics uh, you have yeah. for, for forensics you have to be able to get down to microtransactions but <laughs> nobody wants to look at that natively you do not want to look at 32 yeah. terabytes of transactions for the last month you just don't that's that's you know millions upon millions of rows of data so we we think in a top level there is a top set of kpis that are just really important and every organization wants to understand and so those are om omnipresent in the platform and, you know, depending on the organization, it, it could be different things. For instance, for an organization that's really focused on minimizing cost, it would be their effective mm -hmm. savings, right? They just want to measure, am I maintaining the savings I, I need to maintain, right? That's, that's one way. Uh, for another organization, it might be if they're public, for instance, if they're a public organization, their CFO is less focused on savings and more focused yeah. on variance and making sure your spending is staying at budget because they have projections for the next quarter. So we can actually measure the variance and show them that. We can show them how they're forecasting out. And so that's a macro condition that they can look at. Then we look at really what's the operational data. So we have dashboards and analysis that show them operationally the actions they should take. You know, how are they doing? How are they performing over time to their budget? Can they can they actually uh, uh, improve it? Does the forecast look like it's going to improve? Are there anomalies they need to look at? 
in how we think about the operational piece, this is what I said I was going to come back to, is that when our customers come on board, we help them align all of their cloud spending with mm-hmm. the business. And this this is a, a, it takes some effort, but this is the very first step in really implementing a concept called FinOps, which is mm-hmm. what organizations are trying to adopt across the industry when they're in the cloud, especially with significant spending. And we help them map that out. So now that all their cloud data becomes business contextual, well, now in our platform, that operational data, instead of it being techie, technical data about their, you know, this service doing this and that service doing that, and this database mm-hmm. is all that, we remove, you can go view that if you want to, but we remove it back to the business layer so that you can go in and say, app one does this, line of business two mm-hmm. does this. This department now has this cost because now, you're marrying organizations, procurement, finance, the different lines of business with engineering. That is great. And it, and it ties back spending. to what we were talking about on, on your show. But we're going to pause right here, Nick, for a, a word from InterVision Systems. Uh, InterVision is the publisher of the Status Go podcast. Unlock the power of more with InterVision Systems. We provide the cutting-edge technology and expert guidance you need to take your business to the next level. Don't settle for less. Choose InterVision Systems and discover what's possible. Contact us now to learn more. And if you do want to contact InterVision, visit intervision.com slash myths. That's M-Y-T-H-S. Uh, and you can learn more about the myth that we are busting. And today we are busting the myth that the cloud is too expensive. And our guest, Nick from Tenacity, is here. And we were talking about the aligning the cloud spend with the the cost, the, the cloud cost with the business units. And this goes back to the conversation you and I were having on your show, Nick, about um cost accountability, technology cost accountability. And, and sometimes we don't have that visibility to this server does this for the business, right? We, 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 we lose that, especially in the smaller organizations. And so talk to us more about your process for guiding someone through that mapping process. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when we start that journey, um, we're, we're looking at identifying within the business, who are the stakeholders that are critical, you know, the, and they're going to help us understand they have, maybe they have only one product. That's very simple. That would be a smaller organization, but many organizations have several lines of business supported by different applications of varying scale. And we want to identify what those are and then go into their environment and start identifying, you know, what components align directly to those lines of revenue, what components are shared, and what components sit outside of that, such as development environments, or maybe systems for corporate finance or their back office, et cetera. And, and the thing we, we help them do, because this is an iterative process, you inform, you optimize, you operate, and then you go right back to inform, and you keep doing this, is not to get hung up in somehow I have to allocate and hold accountable everyone right away. Let's just try and get one piece done. We'll get a small part done that we understand get it implemented. When the business starts to see that value, when they can start to understand, well, how much am I actually spending 
uh, when I sell mm -hmm. a, a unit? What are my unit cost economics? Can I actually now pull a lever on unit cost economics as opposed to going to IT and saying cut costs by 30%? I can now say, well, wait a minute. The cost of our product is, is X. Could I do it much more efficiently or is all of this mm -hmm. necessary? It just changes the conversation. It really yeah. does you know, cause collaboration when you have this data to actually look at and start making data-driven decisions, accountability starts to emerge. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned this earlier that you're starting to uh, use AI for for some of this analysis. And in fact, your the URL of your company is tenacity.ai. Where does AI play a role in this process? The, the process of analyzing these costs, mapping it to the business and uh, and and helping drive the outcomes that the that the client is looking to drive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So th there's there's a couple of areas where AI plays right now, and there's some areas where AI is going to play a really large role in what's in what's uh, coming very soon. So first is in in I think this is an easy concept is anomaly detection because an anomalies that the human eye can spot like a bump in a trend line. I mean that's that's easy, but when you start taking you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of data points. And you need to understand, you know, what normal is. That's really hard for a human to do. It's actually pretty easy for a machine to do. And the machine will do this consistently over and over and over. I can keep feeding it new data every month. It'll continue to learn. And then it'll spot those anomalies for me. That's the simplest kind of AI that, yeah. that, that we can apply to the problem. Um, forecasting is another area. Forecasting can be hard, you know, using a simple moving average that can be difficult because it always turns asymptotic. I don't know if, you know, if, if anybody's done the math on that, if, if you've been in uh, uh, any sort of data analysis, you, you, you sort of know some of the problems with some of the, the ways that you do forecasting. AI actually does a pretty good job here. Um, and this can help in terms of like setting future budgets, actually trying to project ahead 18 months out, what will my budget actually look like? Those are some of the places it plays right now. Where it will play in the future, is the ability to look at the spending you have right now and compare it to spending maybe that the others who are on the same journey are doing in the cloud as they're transitioning, as they're transforming, as they're modernizing, and actually help you project where there's areas you can make improvement and then help you, you know, identify, you know, what the what the costs benefits will be of that. Uh, when we look to say generative AI, we could say, well, actually, could you could you generate for me the code necessary to go make this change in my infrastructure? Those are areas where AI is going to play a bigger role. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about generative AI on on this program, and uh, uh, it, it our conversation the, this morning brought to mind the the conversation that a friend of mine was having uh, on LinkedIn about generative AI and. Uh, IT and business alignment, and I don't, I don't want to get into to all of that, but it was an interesting use of AI to see if it actually learned uh, through the conversation. So, um, when, when, uh, so you guys have been in business now for three years. You mentioned, yes, you mentioned that. Um, can you share a, a couple of success stories uh, of customers that you've that you've helped? Again, uh, keep in mind we're we're busting the myth that the cloud is too expensive. Mm -hmm. So are there customers that you have in your portfolio where maybe they were skeptical or maybe, maybe not, but you helped them 
manage those costs in their in their operations? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples of of you know problems where very clearly there was a problem and we and we came in and solved it. But I want I want to frame this up first by saying that there's this incredible power in this microtransaction model, this consumption-based or variable spending model of public cloud, in that it it has, because of the great power you have, the ability to write code and deploy infrastructure, it has the ability to be way more efficient than any way we've ever deployed technology in the past. Because in the past, we did a capital expenditure, we looked three to five yep. years out, we bought a bunch of capacity, upfront, amortized, depreciated out, we kind of fixed a cost over five yeah, years. That was that stair step, right? Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. That's right. And, and, and we're fixing a cost for the needs five years from now with cloud. I can actually spend based on my needs in the moment, which is a way more efficient model. But I'll also tell you that almost no one is doing this. Yeah. And yeah. that's because old ideologies creep into cloud. They really do. And so there is this ability to go the wrong direction. Cloud in and of itself is not more expensive. Cloud is actually fundamentally way cheaper when done well it is than the traditional method um so let's talk about some of the success stories so uh i could talk about uh one customer where we went in they were really struggling with uh a large large cloud spend um and holding their business accountable and what they were doing is they were putting a software engineer who is very highly compensated on a project for almost one week per month, so almost a quarter of their time, uh, was being spent basically pulling out all this data um, and aggregating it into, putting it in a database, it was terabytes and terabytes of, of billing file, aggregating into something that was actually uh, interpretable by a human being. And then they were having to spend a ton of effort going out to all the various business units. There, there were over a hundred stakeholders that they needed to talk to across you know, this, this almost two dozen lines of business. And they were unable, they would get beat up from the perspective of you need to cut costs, but they were unable really to kind of hold the business units accountable. How Tenacity came in and helped solve that problem was our platform completely eliminates that, that software engineer's need. Within 15 minutes, they were set up. We're already consuming the data. We're consuming it daily. And we're starting to show them reporting that they can actually now sit down with their business leaders and have business contextual conversations uh, around how they're spending. And, and two outcomes happened. One is, yes, of course, they found places where they could optimize their spending. They could drive better unit economics. But they also found some areas where they were getting hammered. They were getting beat up about mm -hmm. uh, costs going up by 20 or 30% in very specific areas. And they were able to show that those costs were aligned with the fastest growing line of business, which was doubling in, in its revenue. So actually going up at 20 or 30% when the business is doubling was actually really efficient. So it turned the yeah, story around yeah. and allowed them to have a positive conversation internally. That's, that's one of the success stories. That's a, that's incredible to be, because otherwise you'd be, you'd look at this. Um, I won't, I won't use the the word anomaly the way that you have used it uh, to describe the the, the process, but you look at this, all of a sudden, this increase in, in cost in an area, you're going to be like, we got to shut that thing down. We got to control it. Right. And no, because it's really helping this business unit. That's, that's fabulous. So, so Nick, um, you mentioned a little bit about the future when we were talking about AI a few minutes ago, but I'd, I'd love for you to uh, crystal ball a little bit. 
um, what what's the future of cloud cost optimization uh, that you see from from your seat? Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to talk about the movements that are happening in the industry. So FinOps is is happening. It's a movement just like Agile, just like when we were using ITIL uh, back in you know t- 20 years ago, uh, bringing better uh, operational methodologies, operational excellence, bringing better development methodologies, moving away from waterfall and becoming more responsive to our customer. FinOps is the framework that's moving in place in order to um, take advantage of the the variability of cloud spending. And, and by the way, right now it's focused on infrastructure, AWS, Azure, et cetera. But that's 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 not the superpower of cloud. I mean, I mean, 90% of workloads are still on site, right? Only 10% are really yep. in the cloud. But think about as a business, all the platforms that have now moved into the cloud as software as a service, your CRM, your right. HR platforms, all of this, that's all going to fall under this umbrella of financial operations, which which it's actually a portmanteau of, of finance and DevOps. So it's really, you know, thinking in terms of how do I automate and align my engineers with financial accountability. This is going to be rolling into every organization and organizations yeah. at scale in the cloud, moving towards the cloud, need to be thinking about this practice internally, not, not slamming it in place. You don't have to like heavy handed put it in, but be thinking about how that practice is going to evolve and mature inside of the organization. That's prediction one. Two is I think that you're going to see uh, far more uh, data-driven decisions inside of organizations when it comes to technology that has been absent for decades. It's been really, really hard for us to, to wrap our head around it. We've tried. The time is here when we can actually make real data-driven decisions around how technology aligns to the business instead of, as you so elegantly put it uh, before, is not trying to buy tech that reduces the cost of tech, right? That's yeah. that's not yeah. what we want to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Kind of that oxymoron. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Nick, it, it has been uh, such a pleasure to chat with you. I, I feel like we've been talking all morning because we we, we talked on your show and, and now we've We've talked here on Status Go, and one of the things I warned you about uh, is that we would wrap up the show with a call to action for our listeners. So what are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listen to our conversation today? Well, I, I mean, I'll, I'll do the self-plug first. You know, the Cloud Cost Optimization Podcast, if you're in the cloud, you're spending money there, just go subscribe, download it, um, and, and you feel free to give us feedback. But it's an easy call to action. Just go put it in your podcast feeder and start listening. We're trying to provide value in every show. Uh, we have excellent guests like Jeff on the show to, to help talk about the real topics going on inside of organizations and around this problem of, of financial accountability and cloud spending and cloud economics. So that's one. Um, you know, two is a lot of folks get stuck in their cloud transition. And that almost always is due to a communication problem inside of organizations. And I would say the call to action here is, you know, to make sure that you're reaching across the aisle, whether you're in the, you know, in the engineering seat or whether you're in the CFO seat or the procurement seat, wherever you are, making sure that you're working together on these initiatives. If you're struggling with that, 
reach out to Tenacity. We're, we, we've been doing this forever. So uh, we're, we're happy to come in and, and plug in and, and help advise and talk to folks like Jeff. I mean, really, you know, Jeff's got 40 years experience with exactly this problem in probably a conversation or two, uh, you would be pointed in the right direction. So I know that's a little bit higher of a, of a call to action to reach out, but, but trust me, inside of your organizations, you want to be collaborating, call on us. We're happy to, to drop in and help you out. Well, Nick, I think those are, those are great uh, actions that our listeners can, can take immediately uh, to help them on their cloud journey. Where can they get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to, to reach you, Nick? You mentioned the yep. podcast. How else? Yeah, absolutely. So super easy. You can find us. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn all the time. Just send me a request. I'm, I'm always happy to connect. Uh, I will I will give anyone, you know, 25, 30 minutes of my time. So if you want to chat, I'll, I'll hop on a call with you anytime. Uh, you can find us at tenacity.ai. You can find us on Twitter at Tenacity Cloud. Uh, and you can also go find us out on Reddit uh, slash r slash cloud cost optimization. There's always conversations going on. Uh, go ahead and lurk, you know, drop your questions in there. We'll discuss them on the show. Uh, those those are places you can find me. That, that's awesome. And I, and I can say after 210 plus episodes, that's the first Reddit reference that I think we've we've had. That is awesome. That, that That's awesome. Nick, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you uh, responding to my reaching out to you on LinkedIn. I, I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. And I really appreciate you being on Status Go today. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Appreciate it. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, Visit intervision.com. If you want to see more about the myths we are busting, visit intervision.com slash myths. Uh, the show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Nick Lumsden. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.